The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Our title of our sermon today, Out of the Depths, is from the first verse of Psalm 130. And um, uh, before we get started, though, I want to change something around just a little bit here, okay? I, I'm going to change the background of the slide here. That's a little out of the depths. That's how it fits there, and that is the phrase of the psalm. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to bring some sunshine into it, okay? Uh, I promised you last week I wouldn't dress gray, so I brought out the pink shirt. Uh, somebody was nice enough to point out it doesn't match, but that's okay. Um, it's, it's pink. I promised pink. We're going with pink. Uh, but the... Uh, but one of the things that I hope you'll remember, even as uh, I didn't look if the sun has made its appearance yet for the day. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of weird. I know talking about the weather is an old guy thing. I know that. But, hey, I'm an old guy. Uh, so, but it's, it's been kind of funny this week when you talk about the weather, everybody's with you. Like if you're out in public, yeah, I know. I was so sick of that gray sky. If you'd been around here for the couple weeks when we didn't see the sun, when that sun came out this week, it was like, yes, what is that thing? And I love it. Uh, but um, if we can remember with that, uh, just like, uh, you know, we're changing here. We want to make sure the sun, uh, the sun is in our view. Even when we don't see the sun, it is there. Okay, now that the reason I want you to remember that is because it's the same with God. There are times in our lives when we have a hard time seeing He's there. There are hard. There are times in our lives when we don't feel Him, if you want to say it like that, and yet He is there. So as we dive into and we look at Psalm uh, one thirty, that's one of the things that I want us, uh, you know, to remember as we cry out to Him from the depths. Now we're going to read through. Um, you know, Psalm 130, and there's eight verses. We're going to read it in, in four different sections and look at four different ideas in there. Before I do that, though, I, I did want to take a couple minutes. We are going to look over the next few weeks. I'm excited about diving into the Psalms, but I'm also a little nervous because we're going to go into and we're, we're going to talk some about our feelings, uh, about our emotions, Okay, about those things. And I want to be very honest with you. This is not an area where I am very strong as far as my dealing with that. Uh, we have some folks in our church who are mental health experts. And some of you are like, maybe you ought to sit down and talk. Yes, I probably should. But, uh, but I, I want to say up front, I realize that I am not a mental health expert in everything I'm going to say. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do as we look at the Psalms. But I am not, uh, I realize that I am not a mental health expert. I, I, some of this is generational, but I I am very much, I have always been the get up, you're not hurt kind of guy. You know, get up, you're not hurt. Uh, or, um, or even, you know, oh, oh you're, you're sad, you want me to give you something to be sad about? You know, that type of line. I heard those lines growing up. I've shared those lines. Uh, I don't think it's particularly healthy, but that's how I've always done it. Uh, some of you know of a comedian by the name of John Christ. He has a little routine where he talks about his siblings and how they raise their kids. And, you know, and him, they'll get down on the floor and tell me what you're feeling. Uh, you know, and I'm like, good night. I'd give them something to feel, you know, that type of thing. And you say, pastor, that's not good. Well, that's what I'm telling you. This isn't my strength. So we're not really going to give you, if you will, mental health advice. That's not where I'm going. What I'm going for, to, for, into is this. Um, Spurgeon called the Psalms the anatomy of the soul. 
And in the Psalms, you find every emotion expressed. If you read through there, you'll find, you know, times of incredible joy, times of incredible sorrow, times of anger. You'll see all these things throughout the Psalms. So as we dig into the Psalms, here's a phrase I'd like you to remember because this is what we're going for. The goal is for us to bring our emotions under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Okay, hopefully you'll think about that phrase and see what that means. We want to bring our emotions under his lordship. Jesus uh, prayed before the cross, and he said, my soul is in deep anguish. Depending on the translation, I'm in deep sorrow. I'm in anguish because of that. So Jesus experienced that, and yet he turned around in a few verses later, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So Jesus is the ultimate example of one who experienced, if you will, the anguish of the soul, the heartache. He experienced all those emotions, and yet he ruled over those emotions. And that's what we want to learn to do as we go through the Psalms, as we pray the prayers along with the psalmist. We want to learn to to yield our emotions, to surrender our emotions, to allow Jesus to be Lord over our emotions. And uh, I think Psalm 130, as we dig into that today, will give us a great start. There are four different sections. The first one, we'll learn how to wail. <laughs> he says, I cried from the depths. So I had to give it a W in there. Uh, and then he's going to talk about the idea of standing in forgiveness or being washed. We're clean before our Lord. And then that third word is a nasty word, isn't it? We're going to get back to that one. Uh, but we are, we are waiting upon God. That is awfully hard for us to do. And then we'll find out that that wait is worth it as we go. So you ready? Sound like more fun than... I was going to say spitting on grandma, and I have no idea where that expression came from. Okay. Uh, Are you ready? uh, So this is verses number one and two. It says, out of the depths, okay? He is crying out of the depths. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. He says, I am in the depths here. I am crying out, Lord, I need you. Okay, one of the things we want to make sure we take away from this is that we are not to deny the darkness or we're not to deny the pain that comes into our life. Sometimes in our Christian world, we have this idea that it is it is a bad mark against our faith if we admit that we're hurting. And I want to wash that out of your mind that that is not scriptural at all. You know, to say I'm hurting, I'm struggling, I'm having a real hard time with this, that is not denying your faith in any way, okay? What you're denying is a, is a pain, uh, a pain that is very real. Uh, in Psalm 6.3, the psalmist wrote, my soul is in anguish. In 77.2, he wrote, uh, my soul refuses to be comforted. Think about that phrase. It is like no matter what anybody tries to say, it doesn't help. My soul refuses to be comforted. Uh, He wrote in another place that he was weary. In Psalm 119, he wrote that he is weary of sorrow. His inner reserves were just drained. He didn't have anything left. I can't take it anymore. And throughout Scripture, we see this repeated, that we see the individuals that we think of as the heroes of the faith. We see them with a genuine, I mean, these feelings, there's no other say it, they're real. The hurt is real. And if we try to cover it up with spiritual jargon, I'm not sure we're, we're helping the situation at all. We want to learn to acknowledge, don't deny, but acknowledge the pain. I told you, 
this last year, and, and I, I have fun laughing at myself about this, but I ventured into the wonderful world of senior softball. Uh, and uh, seriously, some of those, uh, you know, if they were on video, we could bring them in. You guys would laugh hysterically. It, it was at me uh, having a good time. But uh, I, uh, I, I had not, when I started playing this year, I had not run literally for decades. Uh, I had a messed up hip. And that's the reason I, I got a new hip, and I thought, okay, I'm going to play softball. I'm going to do this. And that hip has been great. The other muscles in my legs had not run for 20 years. And uh, I think I played two games, and I strained both my quads. Uh, and then I sat four games. And then I played two games, and then I pulled my hamstring. Uh, and then I sat four games. But uh, I remember I'm running down to second base, and I was a pinch runner. I pinch ran for that 80-year-old guy. Of course, the rest of the season, he had to pinch run for me, which is really humbling. Uh, but uh, but I, I was a pinch runner, and I was running to second base on a ground ball trying to beat the throw. And I had never experienced a pulled hamstring before. I don't know if any of you have, but yow. Uh, it was like somebody just grabbed the, you know, into my leg and went, yow, uh, like that. And I, I wimped out totally. I mean, I just veered off the course and, and kind of laid down beside second base. The funny thing was the guy who was covering second base was partly crippled before it started. Uh, and he dropped the ball, and the ball was rolling around, and neither one of us could get up and get to the base. I mean, if you had a video camera, it had to have been a classic moment there of us trying to get there. But I was thinking this. I'm running down the line, and my hamstring goes, yow. I did not say, oh, that's okay. I'm a Christian. <laughs> Didn't hurt me a bit. Uh, I'm a Christian. That did not hurt. No, I laid on the ground and cried. Uh, that, oh, man, I'd never experienced any, anything like that. Well, the emotional hurts are the same. I don't know how, uh, that's what I'm trying to say. We hurt. Okay, and we're not designed, this world that is scrambled and messed up by sin, this sin-cursed world, we're not designed to handle. And these things are thrown in at, at us all the time in life. So let's do this. Don't deny it. It's there. These things legitimately hurt. The second idea out of these first two verses that I want you to remember is that God will use these things to help us uh, draw close to him. So what we want to do with this pain is what the psalmist did, and that is allow God to use this to connect us to him. If we deny it, we will not connect. Somebody has said that uh, you know, David cried out of the, uh, of the depths here. Uh, he said, sometimes if you're in the shallows of despair, you know, somebody else can help you. Maybe some good advice or some positive thinking can pull you out of that. But when you're in the depths, <laughs> you need God. The example that I think of is a fellow by the name of Jonah, remember, that was cast into the depths. And if you can think that and realize that God in his mercy put Jonah into that position, that Jonah would turn to God. Let me say that again. God, in his mercy, put him in that position that, that Jonah would turn to God. And, um, yeah, we, we, sometimes it's like we need that, okay? So let's, let's realize, first of all, this is a real thing, right? Don't deny it. And secondly, uh, allow it. And what God wants to use it for in our life is to connect us to God. Now let's go on to the next two verses. If you, O oh Lord, should mark iniquities, okay, if you mark my sin, if you kept a, a ledger here, kept that up, O oh Lord, who could stand? And we sang this morning about standing in the presence of God. Well, if our sin has a ledger beside us, we're not standing in the presence of God. But with you, there is what? There is forgiveness that you may be feared. Okay, this point, 
I think <laughs> some of you'd be like, that wasn't very deep, but I think we're going to go deep for a couple minutes on both ideas of this. Okay. So, so if you really uh, ha- need to take a break from thinking, don't do it right now. You got to think through me with this, uh, uh, on this, help, help me to uh, stay with this, this idea of forgiveness. I think it is so important that we grab onto this. Uh, we are not very liturgical, did I say that word right, around here. We don't do a lot of, uh, you know, responsive readings. So we never do responsive readings. Okay. Uh, we, we haven't done that. We haven't done a lot of re- reciting things or anything like that. I grew up in a church where we did. One of the reasons we don't do a lot of that is because we never want things to be, uh, yeah, just, here, I just stand up and say what I'm supposed to say, blah, 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 blah like that. However, however, there is nothing wrong with repeating some things. For example, there's something called the Apostles' Creed. Anybody remember that? Learning that growing up in church? And uh, I believe in God the Father, okay, the creator of heaven and earth. And you just assert that truth. I believe in God the Father. I believe that he is the Father, okay? And he is the creator of heaven and earth. This isn't an accident. This is all real. There's power in proclaiming those truths. Later on in the Apostles' Creed, it says, we say this, I believe in the forgiveness of sin, okay? And it is very important that we get this down. If I can, and here, here's where I want you to think with me. This is tough, okay? This is tough to digest. We always want to attribute hard times to like punishment somehow. I'm getting what I deserve. God's mad at me. Boom, so he does this. But the Bible says that I'm forgiven in Jesus Christ, Okay, those sins are forgiven. They're paid for. It'd be unjust for him to punish me for what Jesus already took the punishment for. That isn't right. But yet we carry that, and a lot of times we won't stand before him in the presence because we see this ledger of sin against us, and somehow we think that's, that's punishment, and we're, well, I'm just getting what I deserve. Now, here, here's the part that is tough to comprehend because God has forgiven our sin, and we will not pay the price for that sin. Jesus has paid that price, and yet we still live in this world that bears with it the curse of sin. Okay, and you say, you're going to explain that better? I can't do it a lot better. Uh, I read uh, in C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, a pretty good explanation of that idea that there is mankind that lives under the curse of sin, and yet we as individuals stand forgiven. But if we uh, have in our mind that what I'm getting is just what I deserve, I've been bad, and therefore that's what I'm paying for, we're not going to come to God openly. Okay, I stand before him forgiven is what the psalmist said. If, hey, if you were marking it, God, if you were keeping a ledger of this, if you were adding this up against me, nobody would stand before you. Okay, he asked that rhetorical question, who can stand? Nobody, we can't stand. But God, I stand before you and I know my sins have been forgiven. I know Jesus has paid the price. Okay, we'll talk about that a little bit later, more in the psalm, but we remember this. Here's the second idea in um, verses three and four that I wanted to point out. And this is a weird one too. That phrase, forgiveness brings fear. (laughs) What you talking about, buddy? Uh, That doesn't quite make sense. But remember that the fear of the Lord, most of the time when it is mentioned, is a good thing. It is good for me to live in a fear of the Lord, in a reverential awe and a respect for him. Okay? How does forgiveness bring that fear? How how does it... um, Again, I'm going to uh, quote Spurgeon for a second. He was talking about this. He said that the law of God, follow, follow this, the law of God is like a hammer. And if your heart is hardened, if it's icy, it'll, the law of God can come in and it can crush that ice and break it up. But the love of God 
will melt that ice so it completely changes it. And it is that idea that the greatest motivation I have to fear him, to love him, to live for him is his goodness and his forgiveness. Uh, First Corinthians chapter five. Let me run up here so I make sure I get the reference right. Uh, actually, I think it's second Corinthians. So I already messed it up. Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, uh, 14 through 19. You will find the phrase in there and this idea developed that the only uh, th- um, I'm sorry, that uh, the love of God is what compels us or it constrains us to serve him. See what I mean? Because I'm forgiven, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to fear him. I'm going to love him. Not fear in the, oh man, but fear in the reverential awe for who he is and love who he is when I understand that I stand forgiven in that way. Okay, is that, is that resonating there a little bit? Somebody said it like this, God pardons, God's pardon leads to purity. Um, there's a song from a few years ago uh, where I always love that phrase, I don't want to abuse your grace. Lord, I need it every day. But here, here's the phrase I love. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change, his grace. Okay? Now, again, the law of God maybe is that hammer that can break me. But the love of God and his forgiveness, when I respond to that, that is the love that constrains me. That is the love that compels me. That is the love that produces ultimate change in my life. Sound good? Okay, halfway home. Let's go to verses 5. I left my toy down here. Uh, Let's go to verses 5 and 6. And here we go. (laughs) I don't like that word. Can we, can we edit that out somehow? Can we redact that? I wait for the Lord. Now, he's going to tell us a little bit how to do that. So, so let me hold on for a second. But just, just talk about how much we love to wait. You do love to wait, right? Uh, don't, don't we? I, I think it is funny, and I don't know if everybody's like this, but my wife and I have different things that make us impatient, even in driving. Like yesterday, we were out, and I'm in a stoplight, but you know, behind somebody who doesn't go when the light changes. Doesn't bother me a bit. Now, she's like, she wants to reach over and hit my horn, you know, <laughs> uh, tell him, uh, like that. And I'm just sitting there, doom, 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 <laughs> like that. Actually, finally, I did hit the horn, but it was a long time. Uh, I gave that guy as much time as he, as he needed there. Uh, that, that, I'm not impatient that all about. Now, put me in a roundabout. Oh, man. Uh, these people that stop at roundabouts, you should have your license revoked immediately. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, that, for some reason, that's where I'm impatient. I don't know. Are you impatient in a line at the grocery store? You want to change? How about driving when you're in traffic? Are you the stay in my lane and figure they're all moving the same pace? Or are you the, no, they're going faster. No, they're going faster. Uh, and you keep trying to change, change lanes. Truth of the matter is there is nothing about the word wait that we love. However, waiting could be described, I think, as a great expression of love. I am willing to wait. In fact, you could say it like this. Um, the value that you place on something will determine your willingness to wait for it. Does that make sense? The value that you place on something will determine your willingness to wait for it. Uh, we have a family, you know, one of our old family stories we tell over and over again is about the time Francis wait, waited two and a half hours in line in Chicago for popcorn. 
Before, there was multiple gourmet popcorns that you could order online and get them wherever you want and get them at the airport. There are about three locations in Chicago called Garrett's Popcorn. Some of you are drooling. <laughs> I know. I like that stuff. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a caramel cheese mix that I guess is to die for. But I remember, you know, we were up in Chicago at Christmas time you know, just to enjoy the sights and the lights and everything like that. And I waited in the car for two and a half hours while Frances was in line at Garrett's to get her popcorn. She had to have it. And, you know, all the way home, this is so worth it. Uh, and I'm like, I don't really think it is. But the value you place on something, the value you place on something determines how willing you are to wait on. Does this make good sense? Okay, now, what God also does in this passage is he tells us, he gives us some helpful things about this waiting because it is hard. I mean, there's no other way around it. Somebody, you know, I sent out the thing on Thursday morning and said, we're going to talk about waiting. And somebody wrote back and said, boy, I need that one today. Uh, and really, it is, it's hard. It's just hard to wait on God many times. So he said, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. Look at those next few words. In his word, I hope. Okay? And then he gives us a comparison here. My soul waits for the Lord uh, more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. Now, let, let's, let's look at this. Okay? So a couple ideas that come out of this. Number one, while we're waiting, here's where we need to be. In his word. Um, I have mentioned this, and uh, I, <laughs> I like to say that so you know I'm repeating myself, so you don't think I've lost it. But uh, the... Um, I, there, there are a lot of things about, you know, being in the, the professional Christian uh, job that I have that are kind of like, ah, eh, sometimes I'm like, I try to have a normal job, but uh, for the most part, not. And for the most part, the advantages way outweigh the disadvantages. And the biggest advantage that I have is I've mentioned this before. You guys pay me to get into the word of God. Okay, you guys pay me to spend, well, I ain't putting anything in the offer. Uh, but, uh, you know, but, but honestly, I get paid to study uh, the Word of God, and that is so great. I'm going to start tomorrow morning. And what am I going to do? I'm going to dive into another song and begin to un unpack it. I get to do that. That is so great. But that concerns me because I know how much I need that. And I know how hard it is for you all to do the same thing. And I'm not saying that talking down at all. I know it is hard. Okay. I've had secular jobs. I know the demands. We had, we had little kids at one time. I know the demands of life that make it so hard to spend time in the word of God. But he says, one of the things I'm going to wait in the Lord and I'm going to do so on trusting in the principles and the truth and see if we are going to wait on him, we need his truth. We need that in our life. We need to dwell on that. Okay, a second idea that comes up here so good. We're trusting in his guarantee. Remember the illustration that the psalmist gave? He said, I'm wa I am waiting like the watchman is waiting on the morning. Okay, now think about that. I'm waiting like the watchman is waiting on the morning. I don't know if it's true or not. The old Christian song says uh, the darkest hour comes just before the dawn. I don't know if that's a scientific fact or not. Uh, but, uh, but that whole idea of waiting like for the morning to come, here's, here's, the, here's the thing that stands out about that. I know it's coming. Okay, I know it's coming. There's no doubt as the great prophet Annie once said, the sun will come out tomorrow. Uh, but, but, you know, we, we know that the sun's going to rise. Okay, we know it's going to happen. Again, even on the days when we can't quite see it, we know that that's going to happen. This is a guarantee. So I am waiting, but I'm waiting like the watchman who knows the sun's coming up. 
Okay, now there's probably some other applications we could dig into there as far, but that's one thing I want you to grab onto. I know this is going to happen. I know the words of Psalm 23, which tell me that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I know that's coming. I know the words of Revelation that, that tell me of his victory over sin and death. I know that's coming. I know it's going to happen. Okay, it's a, it's a guarantee. So I can wait as the watchman, you know, and th think about it. I mean, if you, <laughs> you're a sleepless night and, and when is that sun going to come up? I can't wait for that, that to happen. We get like that many times. I, I, you know, all I am saying really with this waiting point is, yes, I know it's hard. Here's the tools that God gives us. He says, number one, we need to be in his word. I'm going to trust in his word during this time. And I can be like the watchman who knows that the sun's coming up, even though it is very tough right now. The last couple verses of the psalm, he writes this, O Israel, hope in the Lord. Look at this next couple things here. He says, for with the Lord, here's why you can hope in the Lord. Here's why you can wait. Here's what makes the, the waiting worth it. There is steadfast love. That is a phrase. Look, look for it sometime. Read through the psalms and read through, look for that phrase, a steadfast love, an unchanging love, uh, uh, forever their love. And with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Okay, so let's go to this. There is, first of all, this steadfast love that we want to cling to, that we want to hold on to. Your enemy, God's enemy, is powerful and I would say smart. One thing he is not is creative. Satan does not, is not a creator. God is the creator. Satan takes what God does and he manipulates and he twists and everything like that and turns, as God takes the good in life and turns it, I'm sorry, the evil and turns it for good, Satan does the opposite. Satan uh, also, as far as his creativity goes, he, he pretty much goes with the same attack all the time. Okay, remember back in the garden, he said, uh, did God really say that? And oh, no, 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 God, God knows that if you eat of that fruit, uh, here's what's really going to happen. <laughs> okay. In other words, here's what he is constantly trying to do. He is always trying to get us to doubt the goodness of God. He's always doing that. Okay. He will constantly do that. And the, the, events that come into our life over and over again, the circumstance of our life, he is going to try to use to get us to doubt the goodness of God. And therefore, we get on this emotional roller coaster where, oh, everything great, God is good. Ooh, I don't even want to talk about God right now. Uh, oh, everything. And, and we ride that emotional ro roller coaster through life because he keeps throwing up at us. Oh, you say God is good and you say God loves you, but why is this happening in your life? He loves to use that over and over again. I watched this, folks, I, uh, firsthand with my parents. Uh, my parents, you know, I would call them, you know, one week and the news was good. And honestly, they'd talk about God and uh, God is good and everything like that. When the news wasn't so good, God never even got a mention. It's kind of like we're not even going to talk about him. And many times we get caught in that. Okay. Where, you know, and we don't understand. Now, I was thankful. I looked at this on Monday morning when I went home after church last Sunday. You know, Francis said something like, you know, how do you think the sermon went? And I said, well, I forgot something I really wanted to say. 
Um, I'd said it the week before, and I wanted to reemphasize this again. While Satan is using these negative things in our life to try to get us to doubt, get to doubt the love of God, we have one steadfast thing that we will that we can always look to that proves beyond any shadow of doubt that establishes this steadfast love, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. Okay, and that's what we need to do. Listen, I mentioned our <laughs> I have a hard time with this word liturgy uh, that we do not do a lot of things that would be considered ceremonial or any anything like that here. But there is one thing that we will continue to do as long as I have anything to say about it, and that is take time to regularly observe the Lord's Supper because Jesus said, "Remember," and we need to remember. We need to, and if as often as we can, point back to the cross of Jesus Christ, for it is there that God's steadfast love is undeniably and forever proven in the cross of Jesus Christ. I must see what took place on that cross, that God poured out his wrath on his son. His son bore that wrath for me, okay, that I might know forgiveness. I must go back and look at that. So why is it worth it to wait? Because of his steadfast love proven once and for all on Calvary's cross, also, he used this phrase in there. He said, plentiful redemption. And uh, you know, I kind of looked into the study of what, what came up with that word pl uh, plentiful. But uh, that's, that's the word. It's plentiful redemption. It's more than enough. More than enough. What Jesus did on the cross is more than enough. You ever worried, well, I've been a little bit too bad. No, the redemption is plentiful. It's more than enough. Uh, there's another Christian comedian. His name is Michael Jr. I don't know if anyone's ever heard him, but he has a routine where he talks about his family members that are oversaved. It's, it's pretty funny. Yeah, my grandma, she's a little oversaved, uh, you know, and it, and it is a funny little routine. But at the same time, uh, when you think of plentiful redemption, I think of that. It's like I'm oversaved. There's, there's more than enough forgiveness. There's more than enough redemption in Jesus Christ. There's more than enough in the price that he paid to cover my sin. My sin was great, but what's the psalm, what does the hymn writer say? But, my, but his love is greater. My sin is great. His love is greater is greater. I, <laughs> yeah, I mentioned at the beginning, <laughs> I have, well, I'm going to say this part. I, I think it was back in December that I thought, you know, hey, I'd really like to do a, a series of sermons on the Psalms of Lament, and it really came into my mind, and I thought, yeah, that, that'd be a good, you know, we'll do that during February. We'll, we'll talk about some of the Psalms and everything like that. And this is something that has been on my heart for so many weeks. And listen, <laughs> I, I don't want, want to deliberately, you know, hey, let's make this emotional for a second. But I stand up here sometimes and I look around at you all and seriously, my heart breaks because I know some of the junk that this nasty world is dumping on you. I know it. I looked at the platform this morning, and I know that, you know, some things that Jen's family went through back just before Christmas, and I know some things that uh, David is, <laughs> I can't even get into everything that that has been dumped on David from this na nasty old world, and and uh, and Trent, uh, who is now on that same ride, and I'm like, God, I got, <laughs> you understand where I'm going here? I'm, I'm like, God, I want to give them something to help them. 
okay? And again, I'm not a mental health expert. I don't know, you know, what techniques or anything like, like that or to tell you to go out and pound a pillow or uh, what, whatever like that. But so I want to, in any way that I can, take you to this, the... There's a phrase, it's in uh, Psalm 51, verse number six, and it says that God desires truth in the inward parts. And I just thought about that. What the Psalms will help us do is get to that place where there's just a real relationship with God and God will take these things that break our hearts and he will draw us close through these things. Now, don't let the fact that you think you're undeserving keep you away because nobody could stand if he kept a record of that. But use these things and allow God, to take these things in our life and draw us close to him. We look at the things of our life sometimes and say, what in the world? How could anything good come out of this? How could anything good come out of this? Would you think with me to a place called Calvary? They take the Son of God. They mock him. They beat him. They have him carry his cross. They spit upon him. Uh, and uh, surely the disciples must have thought that, don't you think? <laughs> You're telling me this is a good thing? Are you telling me that something good can come out of this? And if we ever wonder, can anything possibly good ever come out of the heartache of this world, we need to look to Calvary because the ultimate the ultimate wrongdoing, the ultimate injustice, the Son of God was slain there. The ultimate of that, and what did God do with that? He took and he brought the greatest victory the world has ever seen, victory over sin and death forever. Amen? Amen. Okay, so we want to cling to that. We want to hold to that. We want to lean into G Jesus in that. I want to encourage you in every way that you can. We're, we're going to, I want to say just ra randomly, we're going to take some time at the end for announcements, and we're, we're trying to do that more at the end so we don't break up the worship time with that. But but I, I do want to mention a couple different things. Uh, Chris is going to be preaching in a few weeks, and I know he's going to mention some more about this. We are going to do what is called a grief share class. You've probably seen churches that offer this, uh, that some of you might might want to kind of mark your calendars to say, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to plug into that with help. Because I, don't th I think many of you are like me. Get up. You're not hurt. Okay. Now, truth of the matter is, you have to get up. <laughs> but the hurt's still there, isn't it? And, I, and I'm not sure that I'm very good at helping people process things like that. And I, th I think maybe uh, ministry, uh, uh, Gene Devlin and, and Chris have been working on getting that, that started, and that's, that's going to fire up. But also, um, one book I'll mention, okay, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercies, uh, a book you might want to look up, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercies, because I think sometimes what we want to do is we want to, <laughs> it's okay, I'm good. That's not really what happens in the Bible. What happens in the Bible is, God, I'm in the depths here. <laughs> I'm crying out to you. I need you. Uh, and, and God says, well, you're going to have to wait on me, but while you're waiting, i got some truth for you from my word. And while you're waiting, I've got some, I got some strength, and you can, you can cling to the promise that my love is settled forever and proven on the cross of Jesus Christ. I've got something for you to get you through this. I've got something for you to help you wait. I'm going to ask, uh, actually, Trent and David and Jen are going to come back up, and we're going to praise him again together. Despite my flamboyantly pink shirt, 
uh, I realize that this is an, oh, man, I left here feeling rip-roaring, ready to go. But, you know, I want to say this again. We're going to get into the other psalms. There, This was a psalm that uh, actually is classified as a penitential song, a song of repentance, and also it's a song of lament. But there are psalms of hallelujah and psalms of praise, and, and, and we're going to dig into all of this, hoping that we can take that idea. Uh, by the way, Psalm 139 has this phrase in there at the end. I think it's 23 and 24. It says, uh, uh, search me, O God, and know me. Okay? And that's kind of the theme we want to have. I want to encourage us through the Psalms and through this anatomy of the soul that the Psalms give us uh, to help us to draw close to God. What is it that God would have you pray about? Surrender, cry out to him about, even as we sing in closing now. Let's stand and worship him again. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.